Hey everyone, welcome to an all new episode of Coffee Chats. And this week, I am very excited to speak with a full cycle rep at Lavender, Dorothy Hoon. Dorothy, how did I do on the last name pronunciation to start? Uh, better than the first five times you tried, <laughs> but I'll take it. <laughs> awesome. And, I, and I, I was just saying, I, you know, to Dorothy, I've always been really terrible with pronouncing people's last names. So uh, I think this is a big lesson as well. Like how many times that, you know, like I ask people to how, to how to pronounce their name or even Dorothy, I'd love to hear if you do this as well. Do you ever Google or go on YouTube to how to pronounce somebody's name, like a prospect before you like send a video or reach out to them? Oh yeah, all the time, especially on cold calls. And they have like really long names or just I'm like, uh, this is an interesting spelling. So I'll have to look it up and then still I'll butcher it. So <laughs> a thousand percent. But I feel I feel like like if you can't at least get somebody's you know, the minimal amount of research or at least knowing how to pronounce somebody's name, it could make or break you right up right from the get-go. But uh, anyway, I'm really excited to chat with you, Dorothy. There's so many different parallels that, that we both share as well. Obviously, right now you're a full cycle rep and that's how I started my career. So uh, we'll get into that. You're currently at Lavender, which is an unbelievable company. Um, but also, you also have uh, an exercise background as well. And you were a CrossFit coach for a number of years and a founder of the head coach um, over at the Pen and Barbell. But before all of those days and before you, you made the move into SAS, Tell us a little bit more about Dorothy as a child and how your upbringing was. And ultimately, maybe what were some of those first jobs as well that you had? Uh, yeah, that's funny. As a child, my you know typical Asian household expectations that I was supposed to be a doctor or a pharmacist or an engineer or some sort of thing like that. But um, it's interesting because my parents, my mom was a pharmacist or she still is. And then my dad is in like computer engineering. And so, but they also ran like a little small business advertising magazine for Vietnamese folks. And I watched like that whole entrepreneurial journey and that kind of really lit a fire on me. I was like, oh, one day I'm going to own my own business and stuff like that. And on the playgrounds, I was always hustling, trying to sell you know, licorice, candy, things like that. I would sell Pokemon cards, whatever was the in at that moment. I had a stack and I was silly bands. Yeah, <laughs> all of that. Um, that's what I did as a kid. And then uh I'd say my very first job, I was 14, I was washing dishes. So that that taught me a lot of just like pure hard work, showing up and doing the work kind of stuff. And then um I was a dental assistant. Um, I've had a lot of jobs <laughs> by this point. Dental assistant, um, a scribe. That was all before going to college. I think college is when I really kicked off like that sales part of my life because then I got into ticket sales. Um, I did door-to-door -door security um, sales and stuff like that. So that just, that's when that door-to-door -door job was probably what really like changed my mindset because we were we had to listen to um the psychology of sales I believe it was by Brian Tracy and like I was like learning about how to get your foot in the door and all the conversations and building rapport beforehand by making observations so I still use a lot of that uh in my day-to-day -day. um but I ended up going into market research um and uh, I was just because I'm always curious about like, why do people do what they do? And right. so a lot of that work that I did 
was understanding how people were responding to advertisements um, and marketing campaigns. And so I learned a lot from that, but I ended up losing that job and they, because they told me, uh, they let me go because my skill set was too specific. Um, and that had me asking like, what the hell does that mean? Right. First of all, and then, you know, how do I apply the current skills that I have of like market research to something more practical? Um, and then I realized, okay, well, design is the next step. If I have all of this data of like what works from a marketing and advertising perspective, how do I apply that? Um, and I ended up being a designer, going to get my master's for that starting my own agency, running um, branding strategy and, you know, logo design and stuff like that. Uh, and at the same time, somehow uh, CrossFit fell into my lap. Um, I was actually, I started out in CrossFit, drank that Kool-Aid, hated cardio. And <laughs> like, dude, I, I love Olympic weightlifting so much more. It's much more technical. Um, and so I was doing coaching for weightlifting at the same time I was doing design work and that's where the pen and barbell comes from. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it was like coach by day, um, and then, you know, designer by night kind of wow. thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, I realized at some point, like after seven years, I, was, I had this injury. I pretty much tore my shoulder, my whole entire labrum. Oh man. Not from weightlifting. I think surprisingly I tore it because I was running to the ice cream shop and I fell pretty much yeah tore up my shoulder uh it kind of gave me this like wake up call it was just like I had rooted so much of my identity in being a lifter and being a designer and I realized like I wasn't in love with competing anymore still loved coaching but I needed to go back to like the roots of what I really always thought I was going to be which is actually sales. I always wanted to be in sales. And so at the time, it was like two years ago, uh, I was like, what's the in right now? And it seemed to be SaaS sales. So right. uh, I took a Spireship, did that program. It's a 30-day program, but I completed it in three days and they helped me find some jobs and then broke into SaaS as an enterprise BDR. Um, and then now I'm at Lavender after a couple of years because wow. I was right at my job. Wow, that is so fantastic. Thank you so much for giving that big summary. Now I'm just going to go backward and just work our way through it because there's so many different interesting spots there as well. Um, in, in, in the immigrant journey, I've heard that I've had a number of, of folks and uh, my good friends who have immigrated from areas across the world. And it's very, it's, it's very interesting to hear that it is always that doctor, pharmacist, engineer. Um, but fortunately for you, obviously you're used to that your parents did some entrepreneurial work. Was it a big uh, bandaid to rip off when, when you ultimately told your parents that that's not the route that you wanted to go? Or did you come with a game plan for them to say, Hey, this isn't what I'm going to do. Like, tell us a little bit more about how that dynamic worked as well and how they accepted not doing one of those careers. Uh, well, they still haven't accepted it. (laughs) Here we are. Uh, They still don't know what I do and that's fine. Um, I, I've always been a little bit different in my family, um, you know, wanting different things. Um, I'm also queer. So it's just like, I am 
going against like all religion that we have. My dad's a pastor now. Uh, and, uh, you know, all expectations of like culture. Um, so just, I've just kind of been my own person for a while and like coming to terms with like that stuff and owning that has just been a huge part of my journey. And so whether they like it or not, I don't care anymore. Right. Right. And, and thank you so much for sharing that as well. Now, there's a lot of people that this this could inspire a lot of people as well, because a lot of people are at that point where they don't know if they could um, navigate some of the those tougher things that I'm sure you had to go through or really just sitting down and really focusing on this is who I am and this is what I'm going to be and accept that. What's your biggest piece of advice for somebody who is at that stage just from your previous experience, how they could help navigate some of those situations as well? I think it actually comes down to a lot of self uh, forgiveness um, because there's going to be people who say things that don't understand you. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of things that you have done towards yourself or haven't seen yourself or validated yourself for. And so, you know, giving your one, acknowledging that whatever you want and need for yourself, acknowledging that forgiving yourself for for, you know, not knowing that in the past and then working towards every day, you know, showing yourself that love and that forgiveness so that you can feel whole uh, and, and move through life more peacefully and, and with joy. Yeah. And that's, everybody needs more of that, more self-love, feeling, feeling whole and just an overall sense of joy. Um, I feel like there that's lacking in this world. So thank you so much for sharing that, that as well. Now, moving forward, obviously, you had a number of different jobs, which, you know, I have as well, so I could relate to this of, you know, you were in, your parents were doing the advertising, so you had that entrepreneurial itch. Washing dishes showing up, showing that grit. Dental assistant and scribe, sounds like it was more focusing towards maybe I'm going to go this uh, medical career. And then you went to ticket sales, door-to-door security sales. What is your biggest piece of advice for having a a variety of different jobs that you've had and as a result, how has that helped your career? Just knowing what you want to do with your life. Yeah, that's a, it's a, it's just a very, it's just, it's your own journey. And like, <laughs> don't sometimes, yeah, uh, question it. But then if your heart is still like, yeah, this is what I need to do then go for it because like you're going to learn so much from it and sure it might feel like you're wasting time or something, but you're not because at the end of the day, like everything that I've learned from my life and my life experiences, I now get to apply to what I do today. And I didn't even know like a role like this or a company like this existed, but I stayed with it, kept showing up and bringing all those skills and those experiences to the table and, um, you know, like if you, the clearer, the more experience you have, the more failures or mistakes you make, whatever, like those will teach you what you don't want and what you do want. So information, make, figure out what your non-negotiables are and you start fighting for, uh, those things. Oh my goodness. That is so fantastic. Just, and it, it sounds like you just need to have a whole level of self-awareness. And, uh, I think it's really interesting too, that you didn't you didn't even know that this SaaS life was a thing. And I, I didn't know that either in my first job. Uh, for somebody who may not know, or maybe some of your family members who don't know what you're doing, like why? how could you convince somebody that 
SaaS is something that you should do? Or ultimately, how did you decide that this was something that you wanted to do? Was it just because it was the next best thing, I guess? And I, I feel bad even saying that, but like, how would you, yeah, yeah. Talk to me from there. Um, sheesh. I'm not one to convince people. I don't, I don't do that thing, but, uh, I feel like if you right when it comes down to self-awareness and what you want and what SAS has to offer and it aligns with those things, then, then try it. Like, it's not going to hurt you. <laughs> You're going to get some experience. If you hate it. Cool. Well, that was a good, like three or four months or whatever. And then mm-hmm. you can always go back to what you were doing before, but, uh, there are, I would say this is one of those things where it is greener. <laughs> the grass is a little bit greener on the other side, for sure. Uh, you know, in terms of money, that's where the green is. No, absolutely. Show me the green, right? <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned that you're somebody who doesn't convince others, which obviously being a sales professional, I completely understand that. But somebody outside of the sales professional would say, what do you mean? It's your job to, to convince other people to do things, right? But how do you take that same introspective, like, hey, they, people need to find out what they want. How do you tie that to business as well? If you're not trying to convince somebody, is it just by trying to do discovery and really dig into what their actual needs are? Or how, is there any ways that you use that same self-reflection that you have to help your sales as well? Yeah, I think when I have sales conversation, they also feel like my coaching conversations that I used to have. And it is, it's a lot of disco. It's a lot of root cause analysis, understanding what the actual problem is. And then do we act, do we align? Is there a fit here between what I offer and what my product does? Uh, lavender. Um, you know, I, I don't need to sit there and convince you if you're, if your team is heavily cold call based, I can say, yes, multi-channel is the way to go. Emails work well too. Uh, you actually, you probably get better open and reply rates than your 7% connect rate, but Hey, uh, it's not my job to convince you. It's when you're ready, when you're starting to make those changes, I'm right here. I'm ready for you. Right. And, and what is that? What kind of results has that yielded as well? Because it, it's really interesting too. And maybe this is the exercise background as well, that you know that results just don't happen overnight, right? Like how do you play more of that long-term game and say, hey, it's it's okay that you're not going to buy today because sometimes um, if your your pipeline is low or you're, you know, you need to get a deal done at the end of the month or something like that, you start to get, try to put a square peg into a round hole, right? Like what's your best piece of advice around that? Well, first of all, pipeline is never low because you should always be prospecting. (laughs) (laughs) So then you can have the right conversations. Uh, You know, I think it really comes down to being strategic with your outreach um, so that you don't end up in those kind of conversations where you're forcing people to fit into something they don't fit into yet. Um, But also knowing that uh, a lot can change in the span of a year, Uh, you know, contracts end. Um, initiatives need to change. So if you're understanding that information about your prospect, their problems, also from the company standpoint, then you can align your outreach to for the right timing. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I think I think uh, heavy prospecting and, and aligning your outreach is more important than ever these days, especially I know you mentioned there's a lot of change that happens in a year, as we've seen even over the past couple months with uh, with the economic shifting, like Things are changing, changing on a, a, a weekly and even daily basis at, at sometimes. So it's now important more than ever to make sure 
every single call, at least this is what I do. Don't, I can't convince you otherwise. Right. But go in there and make sure that you, any single call that I have is trying to realign. Hey, just to make sure this, these are, these were the priorities last conversation that we had. Has anything changed since then? Is there any major updates or any other reasons why we can't accomplish what we've already come to set out, set out to do? Um, do you have any of those same experiences or, or like, how do you structure some of your recurring meetings over time, specifically around goals? Yeah, no, it's very similar. I'm always trying to meet people where they're at. So, you know, it's the same when you catch up with friends, you know, a week or a few months later, you're still having, it's like, so how's it been? What's changed for you? Um, that's how I treat it. Obviously, I'm not all best friends with my prospects, but, you know, we're peers. Uh, we can have real conversations and think, you know, radical candor and, and being direct with your conversations um, is extremely helpful. Uh, that way you're always aligned um, and you know that there's a space to be uh, real with each other from a business standpoint and a human standpoint. You know? Yeah. And it's, and, and obviously just, I could just tell you as a person, you just seem like you, you have a, a super calm uh, demeanor and you, you sound like, Hey, I'm not going to try to push you to do anything that you necessarily don't want to do, but also making sure like, Hey, if this, uh, this is an actual problem that we need to solve, we're going after um, that as well. Now, Moving forward, I know you mentioned before that you um, that you had rooted a lot of your identity in writing and as a lifter. And so many people do that as well in the business world as well. What's your biggest piece of advice for somebody who to try to step away from what their job title is and to try to be more well-rounded? Because a lot of people are struggling with that. Uh, yeah. Um, sometimes I still struggle with it, to be honest. Like, I, I love work. And I can definitely consider myself to be a salesperson probably 80% of the time, right? But I'd say it's not always the thing that gives me energy. And so I align with, uh, no, I just see sales as like a part of me, but there's also other aspects that of my life that if I cultivate, I know I will be better at being myself and being a better salesperson. So like, uh, you know, I play the guitar, I climb, I woodwork, I love to do permaculture, all those things. Um, you know, I'm building skills, learning to put in reps in that way, um, learning how to farm and stuff like that. Like that all, that patience and, and diligence there all lends to being a salesperson. Yeah, I love that. And I just had to look up permaculture during this call because I had no, I've never heard that term specifically, but it's just all about how you approach land land management and pretty much just more of that farming type of thing, right? Yeah. So it's the study of like ecosystems and how do you make those all work together, which is same kind of conversation we're having right here, right? Like you're a salesperson, but you're also uh, a father, probably a brother, a son. So like all of those equals like the whole ecosystem in total. So how do you fit them together? That's permaculture. Oh That's so fantastic. And even if you even dive in a little bit further, you, you could think of, you know, the businesses like those ecosystems as well. Like they have the different departments, but how, which ones are going to be working together? Which ones aren't going to be working together? And two, I know that there's a lot of comparisons as well to, you know, when I was studying exercise physiology, a sales coach told me this a couple months ago and it blew my mind, Dorothy. He said, I said, hey, man, I, you know, I studied exercise science and funny enough, I'm in sales now. He's like, I'm not shocked about that. 
And the reason being is that when you were studying exercise physiology, you were studying how interconnected systems of a muscle at the molecular level are working together to achieve a common result or, or maximum result. And that's yeah. exactly what we're doing from the business world as well. We're working cross-functionally with these different teams. We're trying to connect different people and pulling people from our ecosystem into their ecosystem and pulling us all together, right? Yeah. Like, what are, any, any immediate thoughts from, from just all of that? No. Uh, well, yes. It's just, <laughs> that is the way things work. And, and to continue to feel like, you know, everything is siloed to work in silos, um, that's when you start hindering your process or your progress, process and progress, to be honest, right? If you feel like, so no hate to bodybuilding, but if you're only working your biceps, uh, good for you. But uh, there's like a whole body experience. So I think I saw it on YouTube somewhere where they're like, actually the best bicep exercise is the chin up. And if you do it properly, because it's a compound exercise, right? You're working your back and your biceps and other muscles. So thinking like, yeah, compound exercises and how that can make much larger progress than if you only worked your biceps or something like that. Yeah, a thousand percent. I completely understand where you're coming from there as well. So just be, the importance is be well-rounded because it, because when you're doing those other things, it's going to help you with, with what you're doing right now as well. Now, let's talk a little bit more, obviously, the nature of lavender. I guess let's, let's first, let's just, what is lavender? If you had to say yeah, an elevator pitch as, as cheesy as those are, what is, el- what, what is la- lavender and what do people, what do you, why, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> what is lavender? Yeah, they always say start with a story. And so when I think about it, it is, you know, if, when you're, you're a rep and you need to go research your account, It takes you 20 to 25 minutes sometimes to research the prospect, research the account. And then you have to spend like another, however long it takes you to write the email and figure out what to write, right? So what Lavender does is it coaches you on best practices on writing your email, but we also pull in information uh, on the prospect in the company to help you, you know, personalize and stay relevant in your messaging. That way, when you send it off, your chances of getting a reply is much higher. I love that. So you're you're coaching people. You're taking those same coaching skills that you learned before. Oh, I guess the product is taking those same coaching skills yeah. and leveraging it to what you're doing. And I think it's really important to align on like your own personal self and the in the product that you're selling. Talk to us a little bit more about where some of the big parallels were from the seven years that you were coaching, and how how you're currently leveraging some of those skills. Uh, at Lavender today? Oh, yeah. Uh, Strategically, from my account planning standpoint, like I have it all laid out, like which accounts I'm going to target for the year, which accounts I know I can probably close within the quarter, uh, and so on and so on. So I've got my macro, meso, and micro cycles broken down. I know my KPIs. I know my conversion rates. Um, So I look at all of that stuff for myself and then apply that to my work, which is the same thing you do from a coaching standpoint when you're writing programs, right? Like volume, intensity, uh, total volume, all of that, and like how you're actually programming the reps out to get to your desired uh, PRs. Yes, no, absolutely. And I think it's so fantastic. And thank you so much for breaking that out too. 
the important thing is, is understanding like, hey, what is that volume going to be? How is that going to fit into the overall picture? So how, in order to achieve the goal of winning this bodybuilding contest or, or hitting your quota, right? You need to work backward and say, hey, every single day I need to do this, 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 and this at this volume, at this intensity, you know, drawing some parallels between, hey, I need to send 25 personal emails today. I need to send 20 videos or whatever it is, ultimately making up to what you're, what you're doing today. But one of the biggest areas and one of the, the biggest things that people do not do in exercise is rest. What is the importance of rest, both in exercise from your experience and ultimately what some of those, those resting activities like, like the, um, the permaculture and, and guitar and, and all those other outlets that you have, what's the importance of having something like that in order to achieve maximal results? Yeah, it, it took me a long time to realize how much like rest and recovery played into my own performance. Uh, and it, at some point I had to just redefine what rest meant to me. And I learned that rest is work. Everything that I do when I'm resting uh, re-energizes me and brings back energy for my work. And so that is work. The pre-work before the actual work is how I see it. I love that. And, and it sounds like too, you're very self-conscious. I know, I know, uh, you know, Morgan J. Ingram, uh, when I had him on my podcast a couple months ago, probably even a year ago at this point, which is crazy. Um, he's all about energy management. And it sounds like you're really keen on that as well. It's so important to do that because if you think of anything, even you think of like the fastest Tesla, like it's not going to keep going forever and ever and ever. It needs to recharge. So I yes. think that that's just looking at those other areas. I think of like, like we need to look at our own internal batteries and make sure that we're doing those things that are recharging us because if we're not, we're just going to be at that low level and just not achieving some of the maximal things um, that we need to do. If somebody's yes. struggling with trying to uh, find time to recharge or finding those activities, how would you recommend they go about it uh, and trying to schedule it into their day? <laughs> I would pick you up, put you into my white van, and then I'd drive you to the forest and leave you there with no cell signal. <laughs> That's what I would do for you. But you know, I always recommend uh, just going outside. Honestly, nature, nature, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most healing thing that you can do for yourself to, more importantly, like reset your circadian rhythm. Like we are bombarded by noise all the time in the city, at home with electronics, everything that's happening around us. That and like we don't have natural light sources regularly. We're dependent on energy all the time. Um, and then also temperature regulation. Like we are dependent on that thermostat. But when you're outdoors, you have to reteach your body how to adjust to different environments, different lighting settings. You know, we don't do that. We're, we've kind of, our muscles are just uh, stagnant because we haven't used them um, in that way. Oh, that's, that is so fantastic. And I think there, there's so much to learn about that as well. And you mentioned earlier that one of the, um, one of the big, one of the big things that you do outside of work is climbing as well is there any great moments that you had of like real clarity or just pushing yourself or doing something that you didn't feel comfortable with while you were climbing? Or what are some of the biggest lessons that you've been able to take from that leisurely activity and leverage um, into, into sales or just into life outside of climbing as well? Yeah, I wouldn't call it leisure. 
aggressively because I pretty, I climb pretty aggressively. Like I like to try hard, but one of the things that we talk about in climbing when you have like a hard uh, route that you're working on, we call it projecting. Um, same as when you're bouldering, they call it problems because right, you're sitting there and you are trying to work the right sequence of the holds in order to get yourself to the top. And sometimes that takes a lot of reps and effort to get, you know, to work through something. And then, it, you know, long-term it's considered a project because obviously you couldn't finish it in one session. So working problems and complete long-term projects. Wow. Um, and and like, how do I you, really, how, yeah. how do you set the met your mental headspace into facing that tough challenge? Because I couldn't imagine like, it just scares me. And I know that there's, there's some really famous climbers who do these like big flat face walls essentially, which just frightens me. Like I, I could barely just walk up the steps without falling. So I couldn't imagine uh, going through all of that, but how do you, how has that taught your mindset to, to navigate the tough times? Yeah. Um, one, I'd cry when I need to cry. I scream <laughs> when I need to scream. Um, but there's this book called the rock warriors way. Um, and you know, he talks about observation, um, detaching from the outcome, things like that. So um, one, detach from the outcome, know that, you know, this project is going to still be there. And then while you are climbing, observe, take time to slow down, breathe and observe, uh, you know, hey, this is a really nice piece of rock. Like I, I have a lot of self-talk when I'm on the wall. People are like, who are you talking to? I'm, like, I'm talking to myself. I'm coaching myself on the wall. Leave me alone. I got this. <laughs> uh, but it's just being observant of what's around me, being appreciative and seeing things from different angles while you're up there so that you can be present. You know? And I think that's extremely applicable to like prospecting and sales because hey, maybe this approach didn't work, but let me take this from a different angle, take this conversation from a different angle. Um, and also just celebrating small wins every day too. Wow, there is so, there's so many amazing lessons. I didn't even think about all of, all, of, all of those. And I think like, I think looking at things from a different perspective, and I love too the, the self-talk because a lot of the time too, like we don't feel like making that extra call. We don't feel like doing that extra email, but we ultimately know that we need to overcome that to able to, to hit all of those extra goals that we have. So making, I think it's really great that you, the, the wall has taught you to break down those things and celebrate some of those small yeah. wins whenever we can. Um, that is so fantastic. Now, Dorothy, talk to me a little bit more about, I know you were, you were founder of We Make Vibes, uh, which is a strategic brand and marketing agency. Yeah. Was this specifically, I can't help but think that your parents didn't have some kind of influence on you developing a, an advertising agency. What, tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, me and my buddy, Deshaun. We went to design school together and, you know, we were both trying to, we knew we wanted to work together. It just didn't work when we were younger because we just, we didn't have the skill sets. I, I, we didn't know anything about business. We didn't know anything about communicating to, um, you know, potential clients and stuff like that. And so it took us about probably three or four years before we came back together and we're like, Hey, you're a really great designer now. And Dorothy, you're a really great, like 
business person, you get marketing and how to run Facebook ads and stuff like that. Let's combine these skills to build the community, to make change, um, and to help people understand like how to brand themselves. Um, the vibe is, you know, your brand that you're giving up. Like, uh, I think I talked about this with Evan Patterson, um, in terms of the difference between social selling and personal branding, right? Personal branding to me is the vibe that you give off to people of like, what's the experience like when they work with you? Social selling, there's a lot of tactics that go with that, you know, uh, but you can have one without the other. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the personal brand, my, my thoughts on this as well, is I think the personal brand is like uh, that 24-7, I think of LinkedIn specifically, like that's your 24-7 billboard of what you are and the vibes that you give off. And people could be watching this future video that like that we're recording right now on LinkedIn later, or even when I'm sleeping or, or something else, it's always there and it precedes who you are. So there's been yeah. nothing better. And I'm sure you, you'll probably get this a lot now too, with just going like absolutely viral a couple of weeks ago with, uh, with, with one of your, your videos. And, uh, you know, I know you're laughing, she's laughing right now, but, um, you know, obviously, you know, Lavender is a duly customer as well. And, uh, yeah. one time Dorothy, reached out uh, on Slack and I said, oh my goodness, is that the Dorothy reaching out to me right now? So uh, just joking around, doing a little uh, little fangirl moment there. But um, Dorothy, I don't even know where we were going with this conversation. <laughs> where was I? Uh, oh, I think we we're talking about my We Make Vibes agency and how like that came to fruition. Right. Oh, right. So we were talking, sorry, we were talking about personal branding and in here, you know, you're obviously, you, you know, you were able to build that brand and people see you as, oh my goodness, you're, you know, you're doing these emails and you're, you're crushing this. Why is personal brand so important in selling today? And why do sellers need to think almost like mini marketers? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's that experience of what it's like to work with you and your company. If you are, you know, putting out content that is valuable and helpful to your prospects, they're more likely to reach out to you, trust you. Um, and I, you know, I hear it all the time when people get on the calls, one, they know Will Allred or one of the Wills, or they'll be like, oh my God, you're an actually like real person. <laughs> uh, I saw that you connected with me on LinkedIn. You actually write things that are valuable to me and you're a real human and I'm excited to talk with you. Um, how many times do you hear that from prospects, you know, like that they're excited to talk to you? Right. So, right. Yeah. Before personal branding, the people had had no clue who you were, right? Hey, you're just this person that works at this company, but now you're Dorothy at Lavender, right? Or you're Dorothy at We Make Vibes, whatever that brand is that you want to be. And then you have to ultimately make the, you know, tying back to the social selling point, you could have the big personal brand and you could be like the Wizard of Oz, right? But if you don't know those tactics, of, of trying to actually sell, then your brand doesn't matter as much. Could you yeah. talk to us like maybe what are some of your biggest piece of advice for people who want to try to get better at social selling? Where would you start? Um, I still think it goes back to meeting people where they're at. If you're on social and you are observing, right, from a prospect standpoint and from an account standpoint, you can you can pretty much get the full landscape if you have enough uh, conversations or reading their posts, any news mentions like that all lives on LinkedIn. You don't have to have a personal brand. It helps. But if you are observing those trends, 
um, and reaching out accordingly, that is like where real social selling happens to me. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that is so fantastic. I think it's all about, I just think back to that analogy of you looking at that rock and just seeing it from the different perspectives. You're, yeah. you're looking at that business like that rock and you're trying to observe it from different angles and come at it from these different views so you could get that whole holistic view and conquer that account or conquer that conversation or whatever it is there as well. That is so yeah. fantastic, Dorothy. Now, let's as we can, as we start to wrap up here, I know I told I know I said that we were not going to be just focusing on email the entire time because you probably talk about that at nauseum. It's like me with notes. Like, let's yeah. just step away from the notes for a minute, right? So talk talk to me about what if somebody was coming in and they needed three tips of or, or your three recommendations on how to write better emails, what would you say? Identify your triggers know your customer's pains and like ultimate, both from a personal and business standpoint, and then tie that into your messaging, keep it short and concise. Like those are the three things that I go after. And it like, I've got a 80 to 90% conversion rate. I think uh, it's pretty solid advice. Wow. That is very solid advice. So anybody who wants an 80 or 90% Conversion rate, go talk to Dorothy because that is that's unbelievable. But what you're doing, I think, is really important. Is it much like a great discovery call? You need to go in it on both levels of how is this affecting you specifically, Dorothy, and ultimately how what is the bigger overall business impact? Because just because it's one specific person's problem, that doesn't necessarily mean that the business is going to invest in it because it was one thing. If you're able to find out that it's a bigger problem and it's affecting the overall business that that is where you want to be because people are going to be more likely to to buy in that situation as well. Dorothy, this has been fantastic. One final question I like to ask every single guest on the show. If you were teaching a college 101 class based upon all of your previous life and work experience, what would you teach and why? Mm, How to design a program. I think uh, those foundational pieces of learning linear progression or periodization um, that's applicable to how you design your life, how you design your work and a lot of other things that it can translate into. So having some of those foundational pieces around designing a program for yourself and how to self-coach yourself, uh, I think that's what I'd like to give to the world. Wow. That sounds fantastic. And if you ever set up, do you do any type of consulting or anything like that? Because it sounds like a a little, besides everything else you have going on right now, it sounds like there might be something there. Yeah, no, I know there's something there. I used to do it a lot, but uh, I'm 100% committed to lavender right now. Um, But I've been offering like free coaching each month. So uh, that door's open. Wow. That's so fantastic. And and that that is so, that's great for both the wills to hear as well. If they're listening into that shout out to having an incredibly loyal employee, not that it's wrong to be doing some consulting as well, but I think it's incredible that you're doing that. And I think it's even more important that you are still out there trying to give to people as well, because it may not come back to you right away, but those are going to pay dividends to you later down the road before you even know it. Dorothy, where can people learn more about you and everything you have going on? Uh, LinkedIn. That's the, that's the only place I'm on right now. I deleted everything else from Instagram, Facebook, all of that stuff. Just 100% focus on LinkedIn at the moment. I love that. And we, my wife and I did the same exact thing. And I would just love to hear like, how has that been for you? Because it's been 
it's been so great to just not have to worry about any of that stuff. Yeah, it's it's extremely freeing. Uh, I spent so much time like scrolling and getting caught up in other things. Um, and now that it's just one platform, I still scroll, but it's it's a little bit more related to work and easier to turn off. Oh, that's so fantastic, Dorothy. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Tyler, for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And if you enjoyed the show, it would mean the absolute world if you went to Apple and rated and reviewed the show for me as well, is this is a fantastic way to help grow the show and help to bring in fantastic guests and even more listeners to our tribe. So stay tuned for next episode and have a fantastic rest of your day.